Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, Senior Reporter at Horticulture Week, and today I'm joined by Marcus Watson. Marcus was Managing Director of Ground Control for nearly 10 years and as of 2021 became a non-executive director. He has also been a visiting professor and postgraduate examiner at Warwick University for over 18 years. Uh, Most recently, Marcus has become a committee member for the Confederation of British Industry and strategic advisor for the IBMS Group. Marcus, how are you? Have you survived the storm unharmed? I'm I'm very well, thank you. And and yes, uh, yes. Thank thankfully the uh, we're all unscathed. Um, just a, a little bit of garden furniture that went a while. Otherwise, um, yeah, grateful grateful that we're all good and wonder, wonderful to be here with you, Rachel. It's uh, yeah, won- wonderful to reconnect. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful to have you. And um, we've sort of talked over the years a lot about your time at Ground Control, and we've spoken a little bit about what you've done since. But I don't actually think we've ever spoken about what you did before and how you became MD of Ground Control in the first place. Right, yeah. Oh, well, it's, uh, yeah, it was a, a, an interesting twist and turn in the um, in, in the meandering river of life. Uh <laughs> My uh, my my philosophy always was if there's a if there's an interesting opportunity and it's aligned to what you believe then it's um, it, it's useful to go and take and uh, take a look and, and try it out. So yeah, if you go back far enough, crikey, I started as an academic um, back at it was actually at Cambridge University uh, years and years and years back, and then I moved into uh, defence of of all places, aerospace and defence, where. <laughs> I worked on things like uh, the glue that holds the wings of the A380 Airbus aircraft together. So yes, it oh, is wow. glued. They are glued together. And then I moved <laughs> over to, uh, you know, pretty quickly over to education, support services, uh, which included things like facilities uh, management. And, and so around about that time, I, I really wanted to buy or buy into a business. And uh, after a few false starts, 
uh, ground control came along and, and it was a, a real meeting of minds. So that's, that's how I ended up in, in ground control and, and, and the horticultural industry. Yeah, so from glue to ground control. <laughs> and ground control achieved so much while you were managing director. Do you have something that stands out as maybe one of your biggest achievements while you were there? It's, it's never down to a single person, of course. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, the team, you know, if I, if I look back on uh, nearly 10 years as, as MD at Ground Control, the, the number one thing's got to be the, the, the people that I worked with, my colleagues. I mean, I've got enormously fond memories of, of, of working with some fabulous people uh, that, I'm, that I'm still privileged to call my, my friends and colleagues. So, yeah, that, that's... that's uh, <laughs> That's definitely the number one career highlight, but you know, crikey, there's you know a couple of Queens Award for Enterprise. That 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 was a you know two proud moments in in that time. Uh, you know, we we were recognised as one of the best companies to work for in the UK. Uh, we've grown enormously, which which uh, which has worked really well for us. Um, becoming carbon neutral in 2021. That's that's a pretty impressive highlight. Mostly down to my successor Jason Jason Knights. What's so interesting there, of course, is is that um, for us, we achieved that milestone four years earlier than we expected to, and it kind of opened up our eyes that if if you if you put your mind to it, you can actually achieve these things, even though when you start the journey, you might not uh, you might not know exactly how how it's going to unfold and and how you're going to achieve that. So that was that was interesting. Um, and 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 I guess um, helping helping micro entrepreneurs or our field teams uh, set up in business under the auspices under the umbrella of of the low risk ground control family, if you like, and and help them, you know, create a business and and be uh, uh, self sufficient, if you like, and and starting their own businesses and and being uh, great contributors uh, in the in the local economies within which they work. So. No, there's so there's so much over the over ten years. It's um, uh, it is quite <laughs> it's quite mind blowing, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think you even mentioned then that the launch of the Evergreen Fund as well, which was a huge accomplishment for Ground Control. Like you said, there's so much to talk about. Um, but that's that's really interesting. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the the Evergreen Fund is it, it's uh, and actually it wasn't my my idea. In fact, it was the the brainchild of uh, Kim Morish, and and it it came around it came about from the fact that our purpose as a business is that that we care for our environment, and um, and and associated with that is that really we we all believe that business should be a force for good, and that businesses should have. A purpose beyond profit, and that it should contribute to society and be sustainable in in the way that it in the way that that business operates. And the the idea that that Kim had for the Evergreen Fund was well, how can we how can we actually put our money where our mouth is and actually divert some of and invest some of the profits that we're making into projects and businesses. So this isn't about giving to charity. This is about making an investment in project and businesses that believe what we believe that really want to uh, uh, you know accelerate the transition of the world to a a more sustainable and a sustainable economy that doesn't have to mortgage the future of our kids in in doing so 
Um, and, and part of the, the Evergreen Fund um, is, is a thing called the Wildfell Center, which is a 300-acre farm, uh, a previous farm, former farm in, in Essex, whereby we're using that to demonstrate to whomever, our customers, uh, our communities, how they can go and how they can go about using the land that they either own or that they occupy to to benefit um, our communities, the environment, to be sustainable and and have that that wonderful circular economy that perhaps some people find uh, more more difficult. To, you know, people may be thinking, well, how do I start this? And and so this this should be a great exemplar. Uh, where we can we we can share that best practice with people and and help them along their own sustainable journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, achieving carbon neutrality four years ahead of schedule is so impressive. And many companies are sort of following in your footsteps now. So it's really important um, to sort of share the knowledge, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 I think on on there it was. I mean, obviously, there's a huge amount of hard work that went into into that. And and I don't want to take anything away from my my very hardworking and ingenious colleagues who have made this happen but when we looked at uh, that that uh, you know achieving carbon neutrality by 2020 it's actually March 2021 so it was just under a year ago we thought actually this this in the grand scheme of things this has been easier than we thought it would be and it really made us think that giving yourself a goal and taking the first step arguably uh, arguably is perhaps the most important step um, uh, t- taking it meant that we got there much, much quicker than expected. And and now we're hoping uh, that we could reach a net zero as a business by 2025. Now, we're again, we're not too sure exactly how we're going to achieve that. But if we pin our aspiration to achieving net zero by 2025, then we're more likely to achieve it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've not stepped away from ground control not said goodbye just yet um <laughs> no it's like hotel california <laughs> yeah you know you can check out but you can never leave uh, or something like that no, no i'm a non-executive director at ground control uh, i still maintain um you know, very uh, close relationships with uh, with the guys there i'm a non-exec so that that's been a challenge in itself uh, making sure that i i support and help and don't interfere <laughs> Uh, and, and, and knowing me as you do, Rachel, you, you perhaps understand more than most that that could be quite difficult for me in the early days. But I've, <laughs> I've got I've got used to it. I promise. Um, uh, so yeah, still very much in in ground control in a supportive role, uh, and and um, yeah, enjoying every minute of it. Fantastic. And you're helping towards that net zero goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I am. Uh, I'm I'm helping in I'm banging the drum and I'm championing it, um, but I'm I'm not actually delivering it. That's certainly down to uh, Jason and and his uh, his fantastic executive team. Um, so the kind of things that I'm involved with, for example, you, you mentioned earlier that I'm uh, a, um, a board member of the CBI. I'm on I'm actually on the Energy and Climate Change Committee for for the CBI, and that allows me to to champion uh, achieving net zero and transitioning to net zero and helping and encouraging, uh, you know, my uh, my colleagues wherever they be in in whatever industry, not just the horticultural industry, to consider how they can achieve net zero in timescales which are commensurate with mitigating the worst effect of climate change. So in that way, I'm, I'm still very, very much involved in it, but much more so as, as a champion banging the drum that says, come on, guys, let's, 
let's not just rest on our laurels now that COP26 is, is over. Let's make sure that we continue that momentum and that, and that race to the top and make sure that everybody continues to be enthusiastic about achieving that, that transition. Yeah, how positive do you feel about um, everything after COP26? Yeah, so that, I mean, that's a, it's an, in, an incredibly important question. How positive do I feel? I'm really conflicted, to be honest, Rachel. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm seeing that I was, I was really enthused in the run up to COP26. I could see that the momentum was building and there was a real momentum and, and uh, ambition for bringing the world together and, and uh, uh, achieving net zero as, you know, as humanity in, in timescales that would be appropriate. I was a little bit disappointed by COP26. It went further in some aspects. For example, the deforestation I thought was, uh, was something that I certainly hadn't expected, the, the halt to deforestation, I think it was by 2030. Um, but I, I, I wanted more in terms of commitments to stopping emissions of fossil fuels. And uh, since COP26, what I've seen is that that momentum that's built up uh, up to then has, has actually slowed down a little bit. So uh, let's also look at the, the reality that's facing us. We are living in a, on a warmer planet today than we were back in 1970. Uh, we are uh, 1.2 degrees now warmer on average, uh, throughout the globe, than we were in the uh, in pre-industrial uh, revolution times. So that 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 doesn't sound good. We're seeing more ex- a, a higher frequency of more extreme weather events. Whether it's um, uh, the, the the floodings that we're seeing, uh, the wildfires, and and no part of the world is uh, can hide from from this. So we're we're, we're seeing some some pretty some some pretty damaging things happen. Uh, having said that, I do I, <laughs> I am an, an eternally optimistic person, but I do have some reasons to be optimistic here, uh, and it, it, it certainly I don't want to portray a doom and gloom picture. Now, I, I think the the reasons that I'm hanging my optimistic coat on are that there there is still a continued race to the top where people are going, you know what, how can we achieve carbon neutrality by then? How can we achieve net zero? Um, the, the, that, that is continuing, perhaps at a lower rate than pre-COP26, but nonetheless, I'm seeing that continue. I also see that investment in sustainability-focused businesses is on the increase, and the businesses that put sustainability and the environment uh, front and center of what they're about actually grow better. They 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 do better in 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 business terms. So I think what we're going to see there is a continued shift of investment and uh, above average performance from businesses that do put the environment and sustainability front and center. What another reason that I'm optimistic is that whilst it's not fast enough, uh, I am seeing that the um, investment that institutions are making in the fossil fuels industry uh, is actually reducing. Now, for me, it's not fast enough, and there's still way too much investment focused on on fossil fuel industries, for example, new exploration. Uh, ha- but it, the, 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 the trend is, is very, very clear. And the, and the last thing that makes me somewhat optimistic is that perhaps, I'd love to see the data for 2022, but perhaps we have reached as uh, as a globe peak carbon dioxide emissions in in 2021 
Now, we, we know from COVID-19 that reaching the peak is, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's the end of the beginning. It's, it's not the start of the end, if you like. And we've got a long way to go to continually drive down those, those emissions. But certainly, it would appear as though those emissions are not, gonna, are not getting any worse and we've reached that, that peak. It's good to know that you still have some hope and I think to know you is to know how passionate you are about the environment and climate change and you've spoken to me before about um, human generated six math extinction which sounds really scary and it possibly is. Yeah, yeah. so um, there you're touching on biodiversity loss and the six mass extinction uh, and are we at the dawn of this six mass extinction that is at this time human induced. Now, yeah, it, it, if you look at uh, some of the the data uh, that is that is emerging, what we're what we have seen is that over the last I don't know three hundred years or so, there has been an exponential increase in the number of species that have become extinct. And if you compare, if you if you uh, uh, use that together with uh, if you use that data together with the fact that we are um, uh, relocating species across the globe, uh, climate change is affecting habitats. Uh, human population growth is exponential. You know, when I when I was born in 1972, there were roughly four billion people on the planet. There's now roughly twice that number, um, and and. When we look at the human population growth together with the deforestation that is supporting agriculture uh, to to keep us uh, as being the top predator on the planet, then what, what that means is that something like 25 to 40 percent of the planet's entire energy captured by plants, and, and this is the energy that all biodiversity depends on, then uh, that that energy is necessary for uh, human uh, for humans and for the uh, for the livestock upon which we we depend uh, and, and the agriculture upon which we depend so when you put all of that together um, scientists do believe that we are looking now at perhaps the six mass extinction now we we've got a, a an awfully long way to go before we we get to the uh, the the uh, the Great Dying, which uh, I think was about 232 million years ago, where uh, r- roughly 95% of species became extinct. I mean, there were some some horrific uh, uh, climate, climatic, and external events that that precipitated this. However, what's what, what's so concerning about this one is that it's it's self-inflicted, and of course, there was a few there are a few billionaires that you know leave. Uh, leave the planet, um, but they do come back pretty quickly. So it, it's fair. I believe that it's fair to assume that our planet is a closed system, and therefore that everybody and everything depends on everything else in the system. And we we would be foolish to bury our heads in the sand and to not consider that this is this is a very real crisis that could affect our our well being uh, in in the future. That's quite gloomy as well, isn't it? <laughs> Well, what is the answer then? What can we do? Uh, what can we do? Well, I, I think climate change and biodiversity loss, actually, uh, fortunately, if you if you solve one, you're certainly helping to, to solve another. So 
if, if we're able to mitigate the worst impacts of climate change, then we, we won't have and we won't see the, the great dying and the mass migration and just parts of, parts of the planets uh, just simply being too hot to inhabit by, by humans or, or indeed other species. So I think by, by focusing on climate change, we're actually solving a significant part of that. But I also think that we we, we can do other things, um, particularly in in horticulture. I mean, we're we're I believe incredibly privileged to be in horticulture because more than most we know how to go about helping um, uh, the natural environment. We I mean, obviously we work with the natural environment day in day out. So I I, I think I would I would certainly encourage everybody to uh, within their businesses, however great or small. I would encourage everybody to think, you know what, uh, it doesn't matter how big or small my business is, I can make a difference. Uh, and, and I can make a difference by virtue of the actions that I take, but also of the soft leadership that I have by virtue of being connected to or leading a business and being connected to people in that way. Um, uh, certainly, I would I would encourage everybody who cares about uh, the natural the natural world, and, and I believe that I th th this would be most people uh, interested in in horticulture. Then talk about it and make sure that that message is is heard above perhaps some of the other messages that are uh, taking up the the airwaves. Um, create a plan, you know. D decide, you know. In my business, we will tackle climate change and biodiversity loss. Um, have a look at the science that's relevant to you and consider what kind of solutions you wish to apply within your own business and indeed your personal, your private life that says, well, what, what kind of natural solutions are applicable to help me uh, enhance biodiversity in, in the areas that I touch? What kind of technologies can I, can I use? And, and it can be as simple as, well, what kind of policies and rules am I going to abide by within my own business and I'm going to advertise to tell everybody, you know, this is what we stand for in, in this business. And it could be, for example, you know, as simple as we're not going to take uh, internal flights anymore. We're going to shift all of our fleet to electric cars. Whenever we talk to customers about their landscaping requirements, we will always offer them a, a native plant soft landscaping solution rather than concreting the southeast um, uh, with, with hard landscaping. So th those are the kind of things uh, that that I would encourage people to do, but I would also say because everything that I'm talking about now is about mitigation. I also think we need to consider well, what if that mitigation uh, doesn't work? How are we going to to adapt? And that could be well, uh, you know, it could be as as bad as well. How do we re relocate our, our 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 business premises because we happen to live in a floodplain uh, or, or an area prone to flood? But it could be also, well, understanding well, what kind of plants are now going to be better able to thrive in a, in a slightly warmer world. Those kind of things. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right that um, we're really well placed in this industry to do something. And I don't think we've ever had such an eager and open audience at our fingertips. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. And I, I think also if, if we're horticultural professionals then to be at the forefront of doing something about it uh, uh, is and being able importantly to educate those who want to do something but don't know how to 
I think that's uh, incredibly, not only in, incredibly worthwhile, um, but incredibly fulfilling as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know for your, for you, you really want to make sure that you contribute, uh, even in a small way. And obviously, these um, this work with CBI and IBMS is going to go to that. But what does the future look like? Any more investments on the uh, horizon? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, going going forward, uh, I'll continue my work as 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 a support in in, in ground control. Uh, I wish to continue to invest um, in in businesses that put sustainability or social, uh, you know, giving back, giving something back to society at the uh, the centre of what they do. So that that's really interesting uh, for me, and I'll I'll be continuing to champion sustainability and business as a force for good with a CBI, that's that's really important to me. Uh, but I'll also be looking to buy or buy into a business that does have the purpose beyond profit and that contributes to society. So, uh, and I'm working on on that uh, in the background. It, it'll take it'll take as long as it takes to find uh, to find the, the the right home for me uh, in in you know in in buying or buying into such a business. Uh, you know me. I like to get my sleeves rolled up and and stuck in so i'm looking forward to that yeah absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for chatting to us um as an end question we always ask our um guests what plant they would take to a desert island so what plant would you like to be stranded with marcus (laughs) um well Hopefully it won't be a desert island and there'll actually be some life and plant life there <laughs> and it'll be a thriving, thriving island. No, my, my what I would take to uh, an island, a desert island would be whatever's native. <laughs> what, um, yeah, whatever's native. Let's let's not let's not bring a problem to uh, to an island which might have its own ecosystem uh, that, that we don't want to disturb. There you go. Yeah, right plant, right place. Right plant, right place. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you to Marcus. Uh, I'm Rachel Forsyth, and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Thank you again to Marcus, and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.